You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. One House is a recruitment firm providing a tailored talent search to hospitality operators throughout the country. Empowered Hospitality provides human resources services to the restaurants and hotel sector, empowering operators with knowledge, guidance, and time. Together, we are Recruit, Retain, Relax. And we're back live from Bushwick here at Recruit Retain Relax. Uh, Mike Hewitt from One House here and Sarah Deal from Empowered Hospitality here to discuss the current staffing dilemma in the hospitality sector. What's trending? How can operators react and adapt to it, etc. So we're going to focus on recruitment and retention with an emphasis on quality of life and other critical variables. Sarah and I are active founders and operators of national hospitality recruiting and human resource consulting companies, servicing all sectors from Michelin star to mom and pop startups, giving us a pretty unique outlook and intel on this subject. So now we're going to actually welcome our guest today. We have Tiffany Robinson of uber popular UK restaurant group D&D. And we will have Stacey Ann Scarlett from Wagamama. Uh, she's the recruitment business partner here in the U.S. as well. So two great brands coming in from the U.K., the British Invasion, as we call it. And uh, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to kick things off with uh, Tiffany uh, from D&D, right? Incredible openings recently at uh, Hudson Yards and obviously uh, back at Time Warner as well. So yeah. definitely making a big splash here in, in New York, starting things off. I guess uh, just to kick it off, we were just discussing if you could kind of share a little bit about that intersection between marketing and recruitment, uh, which I think is pretty relevant to your position at D&D. Just give us a quick... Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for having us on today. Um, so yeah, marketing director for D&D and over the, really, over the past couple of years, we've really sort of turbocharged as such um, marketing, you know, and creating our people brand. Uh, and obviously, consumers is, is one thing, but to people out there and really, you know, getting our stories across and um, through social media, through technology, um, targeting, having, you know, open days and showcases. Um, and I think it's sort of one of these things, well, I, I think I thought it would be easier than actually it is. It's, you know, it's challenging and it's making sure you hit the right notes and um, we're looking to attract, uh, obviously attract talent. And then, you know, when we have people, we're, we're always brainstorming and, and trying to innovate through what we do to keep people and keep people engaged. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's one of the areas. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's good for the people to hear as far as how how it works and how that intersection happens. Because uh, I, I think it's important, obviously, finding the right people, retain, retaining them, uh, but also as a brand, how you're marketing yourself and how you're attracting new talent, especially when you're going into a new market, right? A little yeah, different. Yeah, ab absolutely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that we, we have is um, we have, you know, we, we benefit from people who've been with us for quite a long time especially in you know, managerial roles and, and senior positions. And and d and because we have so many restaurants in the UK and Paris and now two in New York, we have a lot of opportunities you know, for people to, 
to grow and, and develop within the business. And we want to try and you know, convey those stories. Um, and in New York, it's, it's a whole new area for us. So we're, we're learning and we're working with people who can really you know, help us understand the differences between the UK and the US. Absolutely. And I think obviously the leverage piece of having now two mega restaurants in the same city, I think that definitely helps when it comes to staffing. Uh, you can move people around, shuffle them around. Uh, it's definitely a selling piece when you're attracting new talent. So that's cool. Tiffany, when you were first coming into the U.S. market, what resources did you reach out to in terms of learning what to expect here? We, um, we're fortunate that we know a lot of other restaurant operators here. Um, so myself, but also Des and David, our, our chairman and CEO and deputy chairman. So we really made a, a conscious effort to, you know, meet people, have coffees, get, you know, understand um, and try and learn the way it is. We've, we've got an HR and a, a people team here who are from New York. So obviously, you know, really getting their understanding. We work with New York managers. So we have a general manager for Bluebird, who's from New York. We have a general manager from uh, Queens Yard, who's he's French, actually, but he was at Le Coq Rico in New York before. So he's got a very good understanding. So Anthony, you know, I love him. Anthony, yeah, exactly. I think you know him. We went to well. school uh, at the Ecole Hotelier in Lausanne together. So Yeah, good exactly. Guy. And he's brilliant. So I think, you know, twofold, working you know, in, in the same business with people who, who know the New York market and also speaking to, you know, a wide array, array of people who can help us understand, you know, the way to do it and, and the way New York works. In coming here, did you make a deliberate decision to hire locally for the leadership positions in the restaurants? What was the thought yes. process behind that? Yeah, absolutely. We wanted to hire locally. We wanted to, you know, we wanted to have people who would obviously, you know, fit, the, the, the brand, so set Bluebird and, and then Queen's Yard, but people who were experienced in New York and who understood, you know, the, the, I, I always talk about the community of New York. I feel that New York is a real community. And, and you know, for people who understand what that is all about and, and the level of standards and training that's involved and also that have their own contacts, right? So Anthony at Queen's Yard, for example, has brought, you know, he's filled his team with people he's worked with or he's met or he's been recommended with. And that's something that we could really only get by working with people locally on the ground. And what about conversely bringing people over from London? Did you sprinkle in some key team members that you felt brought the culture with them from D&D overseas? Yeah, so actually our marketing manager who's in my team, um, Lauren, she's we've sponsored her um, and she's gone through the obviously all the correct processes and uh, and she's just been, you know, approved and accepted and is in the process of moving out here and the reason that we felt that, that was important is because Queen's Yard and Bluebird are essentially British brands. Um, and, you know, Bluebird is something that we have in, in the UK. We have the big flagship in Chelsea in London. Um, and Queen's Yard is a, is a new concept for us, but it's still a British brand. And we feel that, you know, Lauren being from London and from the UK will, will hopefully try and really bring something different to the, the brand and the marketing initiatives and um, activations that we will do. Um, and then not only with marketing, there's a couple of other positions that we've, you you know, sponsored people and um, and we'll be bringing them out here, which is, again, a great, I think, a great example of how D&D can take, you know, these, this pool of, of talent and people within the company and give them opportunities that they could really only ever have dreamed of. So, um, yeah, we've peppered it um, with a few people from London. Nice. And obviously, being a London brand and you're a very recognizable brand in London, what challenges uh, have you found here in New York as a new player, per se, right? The new The new restaurant on the block to attract quality talent and be competitive 
and, and successful, right? Because you have a lot of brands yeah. here that are all vying for that top talent. You know, what have you guys done really to distance or differentiate yourself? I think we, we worked very hard when we launched Bluebird at, at conveying the story of D&D. Justin David did a lot of interviews, business pieces, um, and told, you know, tried to really convey the message to, to everybody, you know, from talent to consumers about, you know, what D&D stands for um, and the history of it, because we were really an unknown company. Um, the challenge we faced, obviously, as one would expect, is that, you know, as you say, there is very recognizable businesses in New York and they're all vying for talent as we are. So how do you attract talent, you know, when we are we have a very unknown profile? But then to caveat that, we we potentially would the new and exciting sort of kid on the block, if you like. And, you know, we were opening in, you know, iconic spaces, the shops at Columbus Circle uh, and then at Hudson Yards, which obviously I feel everyone's talking about. So that played to to our benefit. But, you know, I think the challenges as well with, as I said before, really understanding the way New York works. There are some key differences. Um, employment's quite different from holidays, employee rights and, and benefits all differ. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah. It's true. I mean, that makes sense. And both of them you, you chose strategically there. You have captive audience, right? You have high uh, net worth, a lot of, you know, incredible yeah. stores in these in these two venues. And you have people that are literally going there and, you know, then they're looking for options to eat in both uh, Time Warner and Hudson Yards. So you're definitely yeah. a good company and there's a lot of good variety there. There's obviously a transient uh, tourist meet locals type of clientele. It's going to be interesting for you guys. Um, yeah. So cool. Actually, we wanted to say a quick hello to Stacy and Scarlett. And uh, maybe she can, uh, or you can just give us a quick uh, snippet of your role at Wagamama, and, uh, and then we'll ask you a couple questions. All right, cool. So Stacy Scarlett uh, heading up the recruitment side here in the U.S. Um, for Wagamama. Um, my day-to-day -day is really looking for great talent to join our growing brand here in the U.S. So we've been here almost 10 years. Um, started in Boston when we first came here. We've now expanded to six sites. So it's kind of get doing everything to keep them going and keeping the team happy, filling any HQ positions as needed, and going from there. Nice. Um, similar question to you, really. Obviously, um, being a recognizable brand in, you know, in the U.K., I'm a big fan from back in the 90s. I used to go there a lot. I was so happy to see you guys finally get to New York. Um, and, you know, from an employee standpoint, right, if someone's looking up to Wagamama and saying, okay, you know, why would I work here? Or, you know, what, you know, what kind of culture do they have? Curious to see what kind of things you guys have done to, uh, to attract that U.S. Uh, employee, potential employee. So it's changed, I would say, over the past 10 years. When we first came in, it was really using agencies and getting our foot on the ground and letting them know who we are to start spreading the word. Now that we've been here a little bit longer, it's really more focused on making that hiring experience as um, incredible and as memorable for our talent as ever. It doesn't matter if you are coming in as my kitchen porter or my general manager. So as part of our hiring process, it's really talking about the history of the brand talking about what that means. We call it BU, Wagamama, our history, giving it to everyone they come in, understanding what we are, having that evolve into more behavioral interview styles. So it's not just like, hi, you know, mm. what do you do? Why do you do this? We can read your resume. We see that 70% of that knowledge exactly. you come in with, right? Um, and really being more personality focused and tying that into our culture. So when we were founded, it was really about allowing people who had tattoos to be able to find a job. Back in 92, it wasn't like it is now where you could really be expressive of yourself at work as well as mm -hmm. 
you know, in work. And we kind of called that a process of BUB Wagamama. So combining all those things and making it our magic today. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Um, and, you know, staying with, with Stacy, uh, what do you think, I guess, the biggest differences that you see here in the U.S. Uh, on the employee side compared to the, you know, to the U.K.? If there any anything like jumps out at you, like wow, you know. Um, I think I'm biased, so I'm from New York, so I'm very biased. I think the New York market is very tenacious and ever changing, so it's more for us to keep up with the needs of the new generation of people walking into hospitality. Also, it's your type of worker. In the UK, they're more contract based, so you know that you're going to have these people no matter what for the next year to two years versus in the US we're at will, right? Totally. So if we're not doing our job in this competitive marketplace to keep them happy, they're gonna leave us for the guy next door. It's true. It, it gives so. you a much more pressure to the employer to really grab onto these people. Exactly. Um, and let's not even get on the millennial trip. <laughs> if we start talking about that again, every every show we talk about the millennials. We're not gonna blame anyone. But uh, but definitely the commitment level and you're right, at will, big difference versus, you know, the annual contract and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, you know, obviously New York City, right, Manhattan being a great testing ground for cosmopolitan cities uh, in the U.S., right, as, it, as far as expansion goes, uh, but totally different animal than going to rural America, right, or mm -hmm. somewhere else. So where else do you see the brand moving, you know, here in the U.S., and how do you think that's going to affect the recruitment strategy or plan? So that's actually something we are looking into now. So we were recently um, bought by a restaurant group called TRG. They're pretty big over in the UK. They own Frankie and Benny's and a few other concepts. And so currently we're actually going through our strategy right now, answering that million dollar question. <laughs> um, I definitely think we're going to continue probably very similar to what they wanted to do, which is continue to go to different cities and really growing the brand. The goal really is for us to be as big here as in the UK, it's just more space to cover. <laughs> Got it. So major, like, f premier markets, I guess, yeah. big cities versus mm -hmm. secondary or tertiary. They are probably going to diversify the strategy a little bit because we've definitely had some learnings. But, again, we're figuring it out now. It's mm -hmm. like when you mom marries a new person, you know it's going to be great, but you got to get to know each other first and make that strategy work and make it happen. True, yeah. true, true. Um, you know, same question for Tiffany. D&D, uh, obviously, right? We talked about where D&D has started off here in the States and big mega complexes, right? Multi-billion dollar shiny buildings. Uh, do we see D&D moving into, you know, smaller markets? Um, you know, obviously, the, you need the volume, you need the sophistication level for some of these brands. But what, how do you feel about that? Yeah, we're absolutely looking at expanding. Um, and our, you know, business will remain the same in the sense that we'll look for you know iconic buildings or you know places in iconic spaces which is really very much the dna of, of D, D in the sense that it's about you know beautiful restaurants and great places and, and very much design focused um there are opportunities already um coming towards D, &D you know opening other things in new york and, and further afield in the u.s i think the priority for us is we've just opened queen's yard last week is to make sure that queen's yard and bluebird you know well, Queen's Yard opens, you know, positively and, and focus on those two for the time being. And, uh, and you know, certainly, you know, watch this space as to what will happen in the future in the U.S. Beautiful. The, the walk before we run technique. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. Not all restaurateurs do that. They, uh, <laughs> they get in it, trouble. It's easy to get excited and, you know, stars in your eyes and, oh, let's open here, there and everywhere because it's fun. You know, opening in New Absolutely. York is great fun. And now you really have that proven track record of two you know, nice high-end mall type of spaces, 
And God mm. knows America loves their malls. They, you know, from L.A. to Palm Beach, so you, you name it. There's some high-end malls out there that are probably taking note and saying, perhaps we, we need a little D&D love in our mall as well. So that's yeah. great. That's great. Uh, we're going to move on to retention-type questions with Sarah. Um, take it away. Yeah, thank you. So, Stacy, I'm curious. We had talked a little bit with Tiffany about how they researched, how D&D figured out what their employment branding would be like before they moved into the U.S. by talking to local restaurants, partners, colleagues that they had here. I'm curious what you've learned since Wagamama opened here, and given that it's a bit of a longer history in the U.S. at this point, about how to retain U.S. employees. And maybe if there were some bumps along the road also that you can share that were learning experiences for you. So... We'll take the New York opening. So our flagship lo- location in New York is actually over in the Flatiron District. It's a beautiful restaurant. And when we first opened that restaurant, we had so much pressure press around it because we were so excited. We're finally in New York. And we didn't have enough staff to manage the volume based on the, I mean, the marketing team. Amazing job to get everyone their lines everywhere. But then you're like, we're running out of food. How do we hmm. deal with the people? <laughs> we weren't ready for that. And our servers they took the brunt of that and they, they they burned out i guess is the right term pretty quickly you can only do so many shifts and things like that so we learned the importance of planning in order to retain our staff and then as well as investing on in them so when we opened our second location in new york east village we were actually able after the mayhem i guess you can call it <laughs> of, of opening nomad um we actually took the time to take a second and say, you know what, we don't want to bring as many people from the UK here to help train this talent when we have talent on the ground. And we took the time to recalibrate resources that we had in the UK. So the nice thing about being a corporate brand is that for the most part, you have a blueprint. You do have some structures in place so you know you know, what a training program should look like. It's more adapting it to the market and each restaurant in some cases because the cultures are slightly different and the needs are slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're able to use that along with some of our training partners in the UK and combine them to create a US training team to allow us to continue moving forward in all of our markets with that. So it was really, really helpful and increased retention as well. We've also done a lot of things on the HR team. Something as simple as recognizing birthdays, giving your GMs a budget, giving them the time to be able to recognize their staff how they see fit. Because at the end of the day, I'm not in the restaurant every day, you are. And you know what your team needs better than I do. <laughs> Um, and little things like that and giving them the tools and making them feel empowered and taking it from there. So our retention is pretty, pretty sweet. We're about 75%, which is pretty amazing for restaurants. Yeah. Yeah, right. that's awesome. So it's working, yeah. So I wonder, as the recruitment specialist in the U.S., translating our employees to a U.K.-based company, Um, Were there any things that you learned from the UK employment experience that you actually brought into the US or kind of borrowed from them? Yes, so they're really, really big on communication in the UK and empowering people to feel that their voice counts. It doesn't matter what station of the restaurant you're in. At Wagamama, we call um, it Kaizen. So basically, we believe that you should try and do one thing better every single day. Japanese uh, constant improvement. (laughs) Exactly, and so we really put that into the culture from even when you come into a recruitment day just learning about what we are and and how it works and your offer letter through your orientation they call induction all the way up through 
So for instance, you know, servers see their influence working, whether it's, hey, we need pouches that are a little bit wider to hold our pens and being able to speak that, or we had a bartender that was actually able to help make a drink that was almost featured on the menu. So it's things like that, empowering the team. And I, working in the US, I think sometimes we forget that the people doing it every single day, they're our experts. And working with the UK team and, and them really fostering that, that culture of just continuous change and it's okay if you make a mistake, just find a solution was really, really big, I think, in helping us be more successful for retention here. Nice. That's yeah. been a trend that we've talked about before as far as having people be heard or the feeling that, hey, my voice and my opinions matter mm-hmm. and directly tied to retention, right? Especially with those lovely millennials. Oh, you said it. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Tiffany, how about you? In your first year of operation here in New York, what have you learned that works and what have you learned that doesn't work? Um, We have learned that certain things that we've tried to bring over, sort of initiatives, if you like, from the UK, um, we have learned that we need, so what I, when I mean, what I say, what I mean by that is um, we have a great internal learning culture um, and and development programs in the UK. So we do a lot of, um, we've got a RISE program, we've got managers in training program, um, and we try to sort of bring those across quite quickly. Um, when we open Bluebird and try to implement them. But actually, you know, we, we needed to tailor the programs, if you like, to the staff here and, and understand that engagement, you know, falls slightly differently. Um, so we have, you know, we've sort of slightly paused on that. And when we've got Queen's Yard open, which is, you know, it is open, but in the next couple of weeks, we're going to really revisit um, our initiatives that we do around around training um, and, and learning and use the two pools of staff in the different restaurants to implement some some new development opportunities in terms of, you know, managers in training. You know, we've got a program in the UK called Rise where you take people from full positions, but they spend um, a period of time in all, you know, all sectors of the business from, you know, the, the financial piece, the marketing piece, the events and sales piece, the kitchen. Um, and we want to do that here, but we've, we just need to sort of understand the best way to do it um, that's relevant to the way people work here. Right. And who in the U.S. is championing the training program? Is that something that you're still navigating? As in who, who works for us? Yeah, exactly. Who, yeah, who is so owning we, that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have a people manager who, who, um, who works for, for, for D&D in, the, in New York. Um, and then we also have our U.K. team who are working with him to, you know, to share learnings from how we do it in the U.K. to best practices for, for New York. But we have somebody in-house who does that. That's great. And and I think a question really for both of you is, how do you broker that conversation about the cultural differences between the UK and the US for either managers or employees who are coming over from the UK or for US employees who are being absorbed into this new UK-oriented restaurant culture? Maybe, Stacy, you could start with that one. So for our UK managers coming over to the US, we do a a brief orientation with them and just say, hey, this is what to expect. We expect them to come over and spend a couple of days in the restaurant to get a feel for it as well before they, you know, 100% commit because the idea of living in New York sounds great, but it's not mm-hmm. <laughs> for everyone. Um, 
when they come over, we also do a lot of touch points. You know, our operations team, our VP of operations, his name is Jason. He's amazing. He sits with them weekly on top of their um, L&D person that we have here. Her name is Lori. And we have weekly check-ins with them. They have check-ins with the GM on site or whoever their training um, partner is going to be. Because it's important to us when you're coming over to have someone to anchor to because you can kind of feel a little lost out there just you know doing the functionality of your job not really knowing is this the way we should be doing it but we still want to keep the wagamama way for the u.s managers they actually do um we call them the vital eight the um, top managers in the store they actually do an eight-week training program and part of that eight-week training program is spending a good you know going through of course all the phases of being a server a host a bartender and all that but they actually have um, a training on the culture and the importance of it. If you're a GM or a head chef, you actually also have the opportunity to go to the UK for a week to also see what Wagamama means over there. Because we found that while we're huge over there, we're still kind of small potatoes here on our way on the rise, but we're not there yet. And so it's good to see the brand in its full scope and get both perspectives. But we won't send them there to the end of their training because we still want you to know what to look for what we're doing in our restaurants but we also want you to bring something back because that also helps us and improve our training and i hate to say kaizen again but be kaizen yeah and kind of keep it going that's great yeah tiffany how about from D's side how do you approach that cross-cultural translation there's a, there's a lot of similarities actually to to what wagamama are doing what stacy said so um we we absolutely people from um people who join the, the teams in the US, we send them to the UK to really immerse themselves in our businesses over there, um, you know, relevant to the roles that they're taking on here. Um, and we had a floor manager from for Queen's Yard who was, was with, a, with us at one of our restaurants in the UK. She arrived yesterday morning and, um, and she came up to me and said, hi, oh, you know, so good to see you. I've just arrived. And her first day yesterday was spent um, really immersing herself into the Queen's Yard business. So she spent time in each, she obviously has a full orientation plan, obviously, but she spent time in, you know, in the kitchen, um, working with the girls at the front of house um, who are taking all the reservations. Um, we have a cafe at Queen's Yard. She worked in the, in the cafe a bit yesterday and, and that will continue over the next couple of weeks. So she really has a complete 360 of the business and also of, you know, the different types of people at Queen's Yard who are coming into the space. You get a different you know, crowd who are coming into the cafe, a different crowd in the kitchen, uh, and obviously a different you know, crowd in the bar and the dining room. So really immersing people um, who come out from the UK to the US and, and the businesses out here. And we will promote them going out and going to see other restaurants, going to see bars, going to, you know, and we will give them time to go and do that. So they understand the market. You know, a lot of these people have never been to New York. Um, and then, as I said, people from the US, um, you know, who are joining us, you know, in certain positions will go to the UK to understand what D&D is all about and what the restaurants we, you know, in the UK do and what they do well. I'm curious from both of your perspectives, what are some of the primary differences just functionally about employment in the US? I'm thinking specifically of salaries being very different, the contract versus mm-hmm. at will relationship being very different. Are there other benefits? I mean, benefits, what, right? Um, right, private health insurance. Are there other pitfalls that were particularly challenging to you, Stacy, in just um, staffing the restaurants here? Yeah, so our service style is actually a little different than a typical U.S. restaurant. So typically in a U.S. restaurant, you know, you're a host and you're only a host. You're a bartender, you're only a bartender. In our restaurants, we kind of 
treat our servers more as front of house team members. So they actually do all front of house functions. And it's really about um, giving the customer the opportunity to have multiple touch points during their meal. You don't have to be scared to order, I don't know, a soda because my server looks busy because anyone walking by can do that. And also it kind of combines with the way our food is prepared. So we're a little different in the sense that our food comes to your table as soon as it's ready. So there's no coursing um, of, of your meal. It just kind of comes when it's hot and fresh and ready and it just kind of goes with the concept and the idea of having fresh food quickly without feeling like, you know, you have to wait five hours. There's no script, right? It's just <laughs> right. like, so almost like tapas style, right? I mean, exactly. it just comes, shareable. Mm-hmm. It's all about communal dining and, and really enjoying your time and making that enjoyable in the way that you see fit, whether it's 30 minutes or five hours. We love to have you. Um, and so in order to achieve the peak quality and, and essence of your food um, and allow the service out to meet that, that's what kind of why we do it that way. But then also for New Yorkers who don't know us yet, aren't sure of the service style because a lot of restaurants, you know, outside of more, you know, tapas style restaurants don't do it. They're a little confused as to why I'm hosting and busting and bartending and mm-hmm. serving and learning all of this. And then also in New York, typically at a restaurant, you know, you're in four days trained. That's it for our front of house staff because they're learning all the front of house function. This actually takes 10 to 15 shifts. So it's really a mindset for them to really understand how working as a collective in a community really impacts the restaurant in a positive way. Throughout the training process, naturally it comes, but it takes time for them to understand that. So that's kind of one of the biggest hurdles. Mm-hmm. Kind of nice, by the way, as an employer yeah. to have those 15 shifts. It's, <laughs> it's two-way street. I mean, it's, yeah. it gives you the opportunity to check them out and see how they're doing, what their weaknesses are. if. Indeed, they are a good fit for the mm-hmm. company or not. So, before they really start touching the client experience, I guess. So, I guess it changed my recruiting strategy a little bit. So, what we do are called discovery days, where we invite people to come for about a two and a half hour session, and we truly, especially for the front of house, explain what we do and how we do it. So, when you come on your first day, you don't go, "Oh my gosh, I was expecting to get tips next week." Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, really taking the time to really. Um, immerse them in the culture from the beginning has really been the ticket to our success um, and them seeing it in action so they're able to you know we have little incentives during the day they can try the food and things like that so it works out really well for us nice do you find that you have challenges with retention during that training period yes because some people you know they're all right there's no nice way to say this but some people are in it for the quick money in the service industry that's what they want Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that i mean there's a reason why we all get into it right (laughs) i thought it was the love of people (laughs) what do you mean it's definitely one of the reasons of course being a foodie is the other but for a lot of people you know you know day-to-day in new york is not the easiest experience other cities is a little different um um, some people they're not used to quote unquote you know getting the mindset around again that community um and making that foster and work so that's really where it's gonna show who's really for your culture and and what you're building and and who's not it's good you set expectations from day one and it's either for you or it's not right Mm -hmm. just weed out the ones that aren't gonna work out but we hope it's for everyone but (laughs) not always that's great yeah (laughs) tiffany one final question quickly as you're here visiting in new york right now um what do you think new york restaurants are doing right Oh, so many things. I have to say I'm kind of slightly in love with the New York restaurant scene. Um, and I think it's super great. I think I truly feel that service is, is, is a, you know, I don't mean to do disservice to, to the UK, but I think service is so great here. Um, so person, personable and so enthusiastic. I find the New York stuff 
uh, in restaurants are just so friendly and open, and I love it. Um, Sometimes over the top. <laughs> What's that? Sometimes over the top. It's a little bit like, like you know, welcome to Disney. You know, like a little bit too. Well, yeah, I mean, I I love it. I'm kind of over the top, so I, it goes well <laughs> with me. Um, and I, yeah, we had an amazing um, uh, waitress or server, I should say, in um, in a restaurant uh, the other night, and she'd been there for a year, and she was she was slightly older, um, and she was so knowledgeable about everything, you know, not only the dishes but the wines. She went into so much detail, um, and she'd been she'd been in the fashion industry, and then she she had her own business, and she decided she wanted to come out of it, and. And I was just very impressed with, um, I, you know, and her, but other people, their their knowledge of of the food and the business and the wine and the, and the cocktail list, which might sound obvious, but I think it, you know that's really really important. So, such a great thing to have. I think there's a lot of things that we, um, the UK, can learn from from New York and and, and the US restaurant scene. Um, and the food, just on the food point, quickly, I think you know, wow, so many exciting things happening. Um, from restaurants that are just new on the block to, to ones that have been here for as a favorite of mine in, in the West Village that's been here I believe for about 14 years um, and gosh it feels like a new restaurant with bars and service and food and innovation and so I think you know you guys are doing extremely well well thank you we appreciate yeah. it <laughs> you can come back anytime to visit uh, we're actually going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back we have a, a quick game to play <laughs> Setting the table begins long before the glassware is polished, before the china is set, spotless, on the table. Setting the table begins with selecting the right people for your team. Everything flows from the expertise, innate hospitality, and critical thinking of the people who act as ambassadors to your guests every day. With One House, a recruitment firm providing a tailored talent search to hospitality operators, finding the right people is a simple recipe. One House identifies, contacts, and interviews prospective talent and conducts pre-hire reference checks. One House also assists in curating chef-tasting menus and liaises between candidate and operator throughout the interview process. Empowered Hospitality delivers human resources solutions to growing hospitality companies, presenting solutions that empower owners and operators with the knowledge, guidance, and time to better grow their businesses. Empowered Hospitality Solutions include a fully outsourced HR department, a la carte recruitment, compliance, and HR hotline services, training and education, and strategic advisement. Back again. So we talked about recruitment. We talked about retention. And the last R on our show is relaxation. relaxation right? So you got to relax after a big shift or else you're toast. Uh, we have a quick fire little challenge here of questions that we're just going to rattle off to both of you. Um, you can just answer with one word or you can expand as you like. Uh, the first one, uh, we're going to go to Tiffany. The London Tube or the New York City Subway? 
the London tube. Oh, that was a quick reply. I mean, cleaner, <laughs> I just faster. Get a bit lost on the subway. Yeah, or maybe the British <laughs> punctuality kicks in. Maybe they're on time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. What I about you? I know it better. What about you, Stacey Ann? I don't know. I love that dirty New York subway, but I grew up with it. So, right? you, you're fond. You're fond with. You know, you love those nice little yeah. pizza rats and all those. Love it. Just you know, drop everything down there to feed them, keep them going. Right. Yeah, it's, it's a whole world down there in New York. Nice. Um, Tiffany, fish and chips or lobster roll? Lobster roll for sure. All right. Stacy, I bet you. Pretty good as well. <laughs> <laughs> Lobster roll. Yeah? Yeah. Summer's coming. Yeah. Yeah. We're excited. All right. How about this? Uh, football or football? So you're saying American football yeah, Exactly. Or the soccer. real football. The one where you <laughs> use your foot. My fiance is a referee. So NFL Ooh. all day. All right. Wow. <laughs> very, very cool. cool very cool. Um, oh, hard one. I would kind of say neither. I'm not a big football fan, but... Um, I'll take UK football. Yeah, good, good old Beckham. Nice. <laughs> yes. Always, always Beckham. Um, how about a little bit of a, a royal question? Are you a Meghan or a Kate? Oh, <laughs> who's your bestie? <laughs> right, two different profiles there. Tiffany, what do you think? My bestie is Kate. She's born on the same day as me. We share oh, nice. a birthday, so it has to be. No Starry. arguing with that. Right. No. <laughs> So Prince Harry is my favorite royal. Sorry, Prince William, but come on with that. Yeah, <laughs> Megan. All right. I think the responses to that question were the most passionate of any of pretty the much. questions. No, I mean, there's two types of people in the world right now, right? You're it's either Megan or Kate. I mean, it's pretty tight. I don't know how that tight they are together, but anyway. Um, and then the last one, a recent surprise culinary destination. Where have you been recently that maybe you weren't expecting that you were like, wow, this food is really good over here? Um, start off with Stacia. So I was in Hawaii in Ooh. January, and we went. Oh, I have to. F- uh, oh my gosh, Mama's Fish House. From the name Mama's Fish House, mm-hmm. you don't really think it's gonna be anything crazy. <laughs> but I was like, oh my gosh, you have a reservation there. You're so lucky. We were in Maui. I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. I just went to open table and got really lucky. Apparently. One of the best, freshest meals I've ever nice. had to the point where you know you're full and you should stop eating, but you keep trying because you just don't want to stop the experience. Wow. Did yeah. mama come out to say hi? Did she? No, is, they, is there a mama? <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a native Hawaiian uh, restaurant. It's just the flavors and it was new to me. I'd never been there before. So just that kind of experience with the seafood and things like that. I'm Caribbean, so I'm used to fresh seafood. Nice. But it was just... Really if good. you ever Delicious. go to Mama's Fish House in Maui, you have mm-hmm. to do it. If we get lucky, right? <laughs> it's like getting into French Laundry. I, We're going to add it to the list. Nice. And Tiffany? Um, I went to Oslo, actually, in Norway a couple of months ago and was expecting open sandwiches and <laughs> Lots of dill. shrimps. <laughs> a lot of dill. <laughs> but um, had a really good meal in, in the center of Oslo at a restaurant called Kettler. Um, and it was slightly Mexican-inspired with Norwegian and Scandinavian flavors. Um, sounds very strange, but actually was really knockout. Um, and I sense a, a little food scene um, developing mm-hmm. in Oslo. So yeah, that was a nice surprise. Definitely, that that's definitely on my short list too. I'm gonna take a little spin after Copenhagen and maybe hit Oslo and kind of do the whole Nordic thing. But uh, you're right, your preconception of what you expect there, and then suddenly you're surprised. You're like, wow, this food scene is actually 
surprisingly good. Absolutely. Very yeah, cool. totally. Awesome. Well, uh, again, that's uh, just like a quick, you know, relaxed questions. Uh, we want to thank both of you, obviously, for being here and taking the time out of your day. Busy, busy, uh, both of you with a lot of expansion and openings, etc. So thanks, Tiffany, from D&D and Stacey Ann from Wagamama for their unique thank you. insight um, and outlook on UK-US hospitality trends and for visiting the Heritage Radio Network studio here at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Uh, definitely want to thank our sponsors, right? Why not? One House and Empowered Hospitality. And for all the listeners out there, um, you can catch this interview past and future ones at heritageradionetwork.org, on iTunes, Spotify. It's, it's all out there. So thank you, guys. <laughs> thank Appreciate you, both. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.